I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello? Hello? Podcast Network Asia. This podcast is powered by Podcast Network Asia. For more information on the shows and the network, Visit podcastnetwork.asia and Podmetrics, the only analytics you'll ever need for your podcast. Sign up for free at podmetrics.co and use my referral code, RJ Ledesma. Because at the end of the day, any type of failure hurts, right? And one thing that entrepreneurs always do, and this is my only also advice, a lot of entrepreneurs, my contemporaries, have also failed. But don't let that stop you from trying again. Because one thing you'll now have is experience again of a playbook of what not to do. And I've heard I've heard this from a lot of, of, of my guests also and also share that the main treasure now are those failed entrepreneurs that now have it. They're just scared to try it again. But to be honest with you, you have a better chance. Bootstrap again and just like, man, try it again because I swear to God, you will have a better chance. And welcome to the RJ Ledesma Podcast. I hope that you're all having a great Tuesday evening. Now, Maki Bigan, thanks so much for joining me tonight. We will be together. I, this will be a very special night for me. I introduce somebody who is very near and dear to me, and he's actually got me into the art of podcasting. Now, before everything else, the RJ Ledesma Podcast. In this podcast, I interview the country's pioneering business personalities and entrepreneurs and learn more about how they think about business, what are their success secrets, how they have innovated their business models during this pandemic, and what opportunities do they see emerging in the new or what some people are actually calling the next normal. Now, is there a business personality or entrepreneur that you would like me to interview here on the podcast? Please let me know. Drop me a message. And again, if you're watching us here right now, we are live on Facebook Live, Kumu, CBRC TV, and Global Pinas TV. Now, tonight is a particularly meaningful podcast because I'm interviewing somebody who got me into podcasting, like I said earlier, and that gentleman is Mr. Ron Baitiong. Now, I've had the pleasure of witnessing Ron's ascent and descent and ascent again as a serial tech entrepreneur because I actually had a chance to interview him for both his first and his second startup for my show on One News called A Bright Ideas. And on Bright Ideas, uh, we interviewed different tech startup companies to understand their DNAs and understand what made them successful in the first place. Now, what I like about Ron is his indomitable drive and his entrepreneurial mindset because, you know, he keeps on iterating himself and iterating his business models, learning from his previous businesses, which has led to the creation of arguably his most successful startup, which is Podcast Network Asia. I actually had the privilege of being one of his first podcast guests on his podcast show called Hustle Share. And now things come full circle as I interview him on my podcast, which is being produced on his network, Podcast Network Asia. Through hard work and hustle, Podcast Network Asia has raised 
750,000 US dollar funding from Lisa Gokulway, president and CEO of Summit Media, Foxmont Capital, Ventura Discovery, and the local live streaming platform Kumu, allowing this to become the biggest podcast network in the Philippines and to expand its reach to Southeast Asia in 2021. Now, if you do stay tuned on this podcast, we will tell you more about the story of how Ron built PNA from the ground up, how he secured his funding, and how he has survived amidst his two previous startups. So again, mga kaibigan, please welcome a very good friend and my producer and the founder of Podcast Network Asia, Ron Baityong. Ron, welcome to the show. What up? Welcome. To, again, oh, oh wait, it's not my show. Why am I welcome? <laughs> Thanks, RJ, for having me. It's so weird being the one interviewed. Um, yeah. Is it strange? I mean, right? exactly. It's, it's the same way for me. Like when, when people interview me and I'm not the one hosting, it feels a bit weird for me not to be in control of the discussion. Super. Well, again, at least now I'm relaxed. I get, just get to answer whatever you throw at me. I don't have to worry about what we're going to talk about. But thank you very much. What an intro. I okay. feel so privileged, but. Man, I, I wish it was that easy, but it's, it was so, so, so hard to get here. Exactly. That, that's the point. And we want to find out the part that goes so, so hard to get here. And I think that's what people are here to listen about. But before everything else, let's share the good news that comes after all the hard, hard, hard work to get there. What exactly happened to Podcast Network Asia? What is the big news? Okay. So the big news is we, we just raised our, our seed round. So this is not our first investment. This is our second investment. Okay. Uh, when you say uh, seed round, this is uh, technically where we got institutional money already. Because the first funding we ever received was around 16, 17 months ago through the final pitch where we won in season four. I think season four. Season three, season four. I forgot already. Sorry, John Aguilar. But yeah, it's um, where we got our funding. And then through the pandemic where we were very scared when, when that started, we didn't even know. Because typically, our, all our shows before would record. In, 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 a, in our studio in we remote yeah, we right. had to suddenly adjust everything and be remote and, uh, listen to us or our shows going to thrive or the people going to be willing to still do podcasts but long story short it was a blessing in disguise and um, we grew tenfold we went from I think the pandemic we started with around 25 shows we're now at 99 as we speak 99 shows as of last week so with that uh, we, we just grew exponentially as well so the pandemic became actually an accelerator for your for your business. Now, you were saying that at the start of this pandemic, you had 25 shows and you were in doubt whether or not the shows would increase. But actually, it was a blessing in disguise. It improved to 99 shows during this time because I'm guessing uh, more people switched to listening online because they were, they were uh, I guess, you know, they were scared. They didn't know what to do. They wanted to provide alternative forms of entertainment. What really pushed That's people to start to listening? Yeah. Yeah. What, tell us, what, what, what do you think accelerated the, the listening of to podcasts? Before uh, accelerating the listening thing, well, our biggest threat was before podcast consumption was synonymous to travel, right? Okay. Traffic was our best friend, right? Just like radio, right? So Metro Manila traffic forces people to now have an auditory experience. Now, again, it's very intimate. Podcasts are being consumed. Now, in the, in the pandemic, we thought that because there's no more traffic, no more travel, that would change. But what we realize is that there's more thirst for this type of content because one thing that's unique about podcasting by default is that the intent of a listener of a podcast is not to be entertained. It's to learn more than anything. 
So in that said, that thirst for knowledge, given that there's no not much new content out there, and then again, a lot of time to consume content, just double down people's thirst to listen and consume. And more, more than anything, people's interest to create new content. That's why we grew so fast. Because uh, the business model as well, as you know it, we're working with you, is not restrictive at all. We don't own any of the 99 shows we have, even Hustle Share. Podcast Network Asia doesn't even own that. Right? It's my own personal property. So again, copying from the ecosystem that I thrived in, which is the startup ecosystem, we're an incubator and an accelerator of podcasts. I see. Without owning okay. it. There. Got it. Exactly. That's the same. Uh, I guess like both you and myself, no, me being in the in the food incubator industry and you being in the podcast incubator industry, uh, what you both saw is that the podcast or the small food vendor, they were our clients technically. And we borrowed from the, like I, yeah. I often say that it's nice because Josiah Goffman's Smith and Fielder says oftentimes that innovation comes mm-hmm. from borrowing from different industries and bring it into your own. And we were just very lucky that we were exposed right. to Oh, this is how an incubator accelerator works. Hmm, how can I reapply this business yes. model to our own industries? And and that's and that's very interesting. How that's how you were able to perceive how podcasts could actually mm-hmm. scale. Um, now tell us a bit more. Mm-hmm. So when was that point, the inflection point, when from twenty five it went up to ninety nine? When did you start realizing that people were shifting over to the podcast world? It started at the first few months of the pandemic, the the heavy ECQ MECQ part. Because there was nothing to do. So typically, people would create content all of a sudden. And they've now seen success stories like, you know, the Cool Pass, our, our first marquee shows that we have on the network. And more people are like, hey, I want to join in. Let me pitch. Can we join you? Right? Or existing network, existing shows who, who were indie before. And we said, hey, we can help in and raise a level. Now, when we do work with the show, we're very particular. We only have four pillars in the company. So first one, again, the value that we give is obviously production help. Now, not, that's not for everybody, right? Um, only the ones that we feel uh, we'd be able to help. Once we start investing in production, the stakes are high because there's money involved. There's a product cost right. all of a sudden, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I need to make bawe. You know, we need to be able, I, I can't burn for too long because if I'm doing that for too long, this is going to die. And it's my responsibility to sustain uh, and make sure that there's enough resources to, to go around and there's a team around it to, to, to build it up. Number two, it's marketing. So one thing that's unique about PNA, and this again, it's done wonders, is that the only thing that we really build more than anything is that network effect. So we all cross-promote each other's shows, especially those ones who have an overlap. So the RJ Ledesma podcast, gets promoted all the top business shows. Right there, so and we pretty much own that category anyway. No, nobody can beat us in that collectively. And then the next one, and this is our main North Star. We're not mm-hmm. here to be cute and just put, hey, we have a podcast. We feel that podcasting is the future of monetization. The way YouTube has done it, it's gonna be done for audio. We're here to make you money. We're very, we're very upfront. And the way we do it, we do that is we put our money where our mouth is. We're going to help you whatever it takes to get you where, where you need to do. But when you make money, that's also the only time we get money. So we're down in the dumps with you. We're not here to take advantage of any podcast. We're here to actually get them to monetization point. And when you make money, hopefully we get to cover our costs as well. And lastly, tech. So again, coming from all the tech 
background, I cannot do a business without a tech component in it. Because we've seen that the problem with podcasting, it's so decentralized. So we need to aggregate that data so the podcaster can make sound decisions about their content. And at the same time, a brand that wants to invest in a podcast, whatever it may be, can easily see what the podcaster sees and justify why they're asking for such money. Okay. Really, really great points that you're, you're raising over here, uh, Ron. And I want to get back to several things, especially for people who are listening right now saying, well, how do you actually monetize a podcast? And also, uh, since you're seeing 99 podcasts, you can probably see what are the success secrets. Maybe they're listening right now for, for best practices as well, no? Mm-hmm. But but let's go back a bit more. Uh, what, what I want to tackle really also right now is going back to the situation, you were 16 to 17, pops, you, you got some money 16 to 17 months ago. You were actually yep. burning money because if you look at your business model, you're actually making money at the tail end when you can monetize the podcast, which doesn't yep. happen at once because you build yep. a critical mass of listeners. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, this pandemic occurs, stressful for everybody, for all of us. We've learned to pivot the model. Sometimes there's a silver lining. You guys were lucky because habits of people had to change. So more yeah. people started coming uh, on board to do the podcasts. Right. Now, you had your first series, uh, Series A of getting money into the business. How did you do the second series? How did you get another, another set of investors to come aboard for you and to really scale it, not just here in the Philippines, but across Southeast Asia? Right. So it's really hard huh? because when we started raising, we knew that we didn't have a long time uh, runway. We raised only like around four or five million at that time. So that wasn't really much. Yeah. And how, how quickly does that, if, if you don't mind for those listening right now, how quickly can that get burned out when you've got a 45 million runway? If you're, uh, if you're not very business savvy and you don't know cash flow, which I've learned in Chatbot, which I've learned in PartyPile, that can go out in two, three months. If you're just like making it rain, right? <laughs> but again, I'm very thankful for the experience that I've been able to get. I mean, I'm now 10 years in the startup game at least, right? So I'm not going to make the same mistake. And we found ways to make money. So we were raising prior to the pandemic. And then we were already like pretty close to getting our lead. But, you know, in the pandemic, nobody wants to lead anything. So That's we had right. to go back from scratch, really find a way to hit new milestones to get anybody, especially make our, our business case more compelling. So we had to look at our key metrics. If you drop everything that we're doing, what are the metrics that we care about the most in the company? Obviously, number one is money, right? Because at the end of the day, again, this is something that we need to keep doing. Number one, to support all the shows that we're in. We're like the Noah's Ark. We want to make sure that the Ark holds up through the flood. Because if not, everybody's going to die. Right? <laughs> you are the giraffe. Okay. okay. <laughs> you're the rhinoceros. Okay. okay. No, you're the corgi. Shout out to <laughs> Shout out to Chono Cruz. Thanks so much for the corgi. Thanks for the connection, Ron. Okay. Anyway, going back, going back. Yeah. So, yeah, um, it's really making sure that every that is sustainable. So, we had to scratch and claw. The problem was when we were starting to do these pitches, we were pitching our only business model that we've unlocked by then, which is brand sponsorships. Mm-hmm. Right? We were doing brand sponsorships, typical like how you do any type of content sponsorships. But again, nobody's willing to write a check. The brands have zero budget. Mm-hmm. Everybody's bleeding. Mm-hmm. We had to scratch and claw. Now, around September, we unlocked a brand new way to help podcasters monetize. Regardless of their size, wow. and it's 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 not it's nothing new. It's called affiliate marketing, right? So basically, it's commissions. 
you bring some something for someone and then you get a commission out of it. And the one thing that we felt that is a good fit to really bring commissions in was our biggest e-commerce behemoths, Lazada and Shopee. We did Lazada first. We did 99 for Lazada. We made mm-hmm. 1 million in one day per day. Wow. With just like 25 podcasts participating. Just telling people, hey, buy, buy during 99 using my link. 1 million pesos. It's like, holy crap. What did we just unlock? <laughs> right? Ah. This is something. And we've seen even the smallest, our, our bestsellers wasn't the biggest shows that had the biggest listenership. Because mm-hmm. podcasting is niche. You build it's your niche, own yeah. tribe. It's niche. It's oh, that's right. That's right. It's, if it's high net worth, each one of them that has high disposable income, let's just say they can drop $1,000 in one buy, in one part. That's a treasure trove. That's what we saw. Our bestsellers wasn't the best, the highest ranking podcast. It's the niche ones. And then we kept multiplying. And so 9, 9, 11, 11, 12, 12, we made a total of $70,000 just on Lazada alone. Wow. And you know, RJ, in, in any type of fundraising, it's revenue that talks first. Then you do growth. Because when you now have more resources to go around, you can accommodate for animals with the arc. Oh, the arc, yes, exactly. Right? Yeah. As we grew, the, the team grew as well. We want to make sure that there's enough people to tend to, to every single person in the arc. And we now also double down on our platform podmetrics because not everybody we, we can afford to, to help production-wise. But we can help everybody monetize their show. And that's okay. what we built with podmetrics. Okay. Just, just a question. Okay. How did you figure out the affiliate marketing strategy? Just because you know people are in that, you know, they're in that phase. Okay. I'm trying to figure out what's the business model over here. How did that thought come to you and, and make it work? Because you know, that, that's sometimes an art in itself when you discover how can I solve this irritation or this business problem? Right. The, the business model is, uh, is, is very straightforward. We work on rev share. So whatever you make, you get the lion's share on how involved we are in the creation of the business. Whatever you make, we get a cut, right? But only if you make something. What if you don't make something? Then we're, we're, we're in the red, right? That's right. So we, we invest. Again, put it, putting our money where our mouth is. Now, the channel is was, was the problem. Because brand sponsorships were, were too, to come by, too few to come by. People were willing to, to give a commission for conversion. Even for conversion. now, in 2021, oh. we talk to people like, hey, uh, give me 2 million pesos. For what? Budgets don't exist. But if you say, hey, give me 2 million pesos, I'll, give you, I'll double that to 4 million. Would you be willing to give me something for that? Hell yeah. They're, they'd be willing to do that. Mm. Okay. Uh, and, and later on, now uh, what I'd read, and uh, you know, if there are people out there who are future podcasters, please do drop us a note in the comment box, and uh, you know, maybe Ron can pick it up and see if we can make your podcast idea into a reality. Uh, basically, many of us who joined actually the podcast network Asia pitched our own ideas, and and the the, the nice thing about coming onto the show was that each of these different ideas were really niche concepts. So, like for mine, I really wanted to focus on business and entrepreneurship. For my own show, because that's that's what I thought my expertise was in. And I also felt that there weren't enough uh, Filipino business shows that were coming out. I I did learn a couple of principles from him on how to run the show in terms of the consistency uh, of the show, in terms of the length of the show, the duration of the show, and uh, the type of guest you need to to bring on the show at the same time. And as a result, um, I'm very happy to say this, uh, a bit of a humble brag for the show, 
Uh, recently, we ranked uh, this show, the Arjuna Desma Podcast, ranked top two in terms of uh, in Apple Podcasts for business, for entrepreneurship shows here in the Philippines. And it also ranked top nine when it came to uh, business shows here in the Philippines, both both on Apple Podcasts. But that's really, if, if you look back at it, it really came, it really redounded to the idea that we were able to find a particular niche in the market where we were able to, to grow uh, a specific set of listeners. And, and the nicer thing about the business model, if you were able to listen to it, was that what made it unique was that it's how, how Ron was able to perceive the business model of doing podcasts. Because usually, if we did a long-form podcast or allow people to, to produce different podcasts, that business model wouldn't have would not have worked out in the longer term. But but Ron was able to figure out, of course, how to you know use the business model of a tech incubator. Uh, in the Philippines, you've got tech, tech incubators like a Kickstart, like Idea Space, that have created these these uh, these ecosystems for small businesses to grow. He took that and brought it over here. This is the other more interesting thing as well. I was saying earlier on that Ron had two previous experiences from the startup community but before he was able to build on the idea of uh, Podcast Network Asia. And he did say that, you know, it's been 10 years he's actually been in the startup industry. So although it's very nascent or it's very new for him to actually have Podcast Network Asia, he was able to use the experience, okay. he was able to use the experience of his past two startups Sorry. To grow this you one. You did a whole podcast on yourself, right? <laughs> no problem, bro. That's what we do. That's when you worry when you are you're the producer, I'm the I'm the host producer, and this time around you just get <laughs> just get interviewed. Importante ang mag-save, pero bakit marami ang walang ipon? The answer is because we don't spend enough time in learning practical financial strategies. This is Fitz Villafuerte, a registered financial planner. And I'm inviting you to listen to the 80% podcast. Kung saan tuturuan ko kayo kung paano yumaman. So join me and let's talk about personal finance on the 80% podcast. Going back, now the story that I want to tell people right now is okay. You figure you unlock the idea that affiliate marketing might be the way to go for this one. It was a good you, had, you figure out the channel, and the channel was affiliate marketing. Tama ba ako? Yeah, so, that's correct. Um, affiliate marketing. Uh, again, has been there for for the longest time, right? And where we got that was like again, like what Josiah Go said: you have to piece up what works for in other countries and work it out for you. So I, I asked, I looked around in the U.S. The best podcasts actually make more money in affiliate marketing than sponsorships. I see. Okay, I got that now. Very interesting. Yeah, because it's uncapped. You literally unlock the power of your listeners. And if you have, if your listener base continues to grow and grow and grow, so will your affiliate marketing will, right? Especially if it's a repeat purchase. Now, with sponsorships, it's finite and it's so hard to close. Only the top shows get that. So again, we wanted to give full control over, hey, I'm the owner of the show. I can literally pick and choose the brands that I do affiliate marketing with and I'll promote the hell out of them. And whatever I convert for them, they pay me back. Simple. Great. So it, it was a pivot of the business. I like, I like this because it was a basic pivot of the business model, which actually came from this. I also actually say sometimes that from desperation comes innovation, right? And that's really that's really what happened yes. over here. That, that's really the, I, I can <laughs> I can feel uh, where you guys were actually coming from. Now, finally, how are you able to get that new set of investors to come in 
during the crisis, was that before or after you figured out that affiliate marketing was the key to go and they said, okay, that business model works, we're going to put some money behind you? Now, we've been pitching heavily as well during that time. But we needed someone to take the baton and be the Pied Piper, get everybody to lead. Now, when we were doing, when we were pitching, you know, we, a lot of people were interested, but nobody wants to take the first step. Right? Mm-hmm. And that's where your startup friends come in. Because the, the best thing about the startup community is also they'd be the first one to really go out of your way if you feel if they feel that you've earned it. So I'll be very straightforward. Roland Ross helped us out on this one. Of Kumu. And he was a previous guest on the show as well. Correct. And he, I said, like, Roland, check this out. And I've, I've been really good friends with him ever since I guested him on, on Hustle Share myself. Ever since. Like, we keep tabs. We, we have the same vibe. We have, and see what we, we've been doing. It has a lot of also overlap in how we can also help Kumu. So it started when he sponsored the shows in uh, PNA for Kumu. It's like, oh, wow, this guy puts his money where about it. And that's the, just right after they re- raised their Series A. And then when that thing happened about uh, affiliate marketing, the first thing he did was he told his investors in Kumu about our milestones. Now, more than aside from the numbers, the guy, there's someone who's actually championing you, like a stamp of approval, especially at his caliber. You, you get a first-class ticket and, and eyes and ears. Hence, uh, the person that also allowed people to, to come in and take let leave, especially in the pandemic, very hard, was Miss Liza Kohongwe of Summit. Well, thanks so much, Liza, for coming in and, and helping literally a lifeline to a rather podcast network Asia. But of course, given the trajectory of where you're taking the business, that's, that's a really great idea. Now, now that you guys have the money, and you know, and what's coming mm-hmm. out in news reports is that seven hundred fifty thousand U.S. dollars. I just want to know when you say you're going to yeah. expand it to other countries, what do you plan to do? What is this expansion plan? What is this growth plan that you guys have? Okay, so again, the the, the formula is the same. We want to monetize more shows because when we monetize more shows, when we teach people how to fish, the community thrives together. But at the end of the day, we also add in the the best practices that we've been able to learn how to market shows, and how to make more people listen. And also, we're still pretty nascent. We need to put our own money where our mouth is to grow the audience of podcasting for everybody, right? So this is where a lot of, of heavy lifting needs to be done on the marketing side to make sure that podcasting grows as well. And because it's already starting and you see uh, unprecedented numbers and, uh, and new mainstream creators all the time creating more shows. But at the end of the day, we need to be in the millions and millions and millions of listeners for us to be considered a major media channel. We're getting there, but we want to do it faster. And that's what we're going to use it for. So when we expand also, again, replicating through the affiliate marketing campaign that we're doing, and also if there are shows that we can support broadwise across the region, we'll just do what we, whatever we exactly did here in the Philippines, but with, with the same formula. Our formula is we never mess with anybody's content. We're just here mm-hmm. to support whatever you're already doing and take you to the next level. That's why a lot of people gravitate towards us because, wow, this is the first time that somebody's going to work with me and not put any shackles on me. Matter of fact, we're even going to cover your ass, technically. You have to make sure that you, you are properly protected, you have a team behind you, so you can actually get to where you want to be without having to worry about the, the rudimentary stuff that you have to do as a content creator. 
Mm. Now, now having, having said that, what I find interesting is that you're going to help them help them grow to become good content providers. No, but uh, I'm looking also right now in terms of as a company, as a startup, is your strategy first to expand, really saturate and grow the Philippine market before you actually go to the rest of Southeast Asia? Just because we're probably more familiar with this market here, or are you seeing that there's yeah. a really or there's a really big potential where you can disrupt or aggregate also as well in Indonesia and in Malaysia? For their podcasts. Yeah. So let me just give you a brief rundown of how big Southeast Asian market is already. In the Philippines, there's around 31 million Filipinos that listen to podcasts. In already Indonesia, 31 million Filipinos. 31 million, huh? Yep. Wow. Yep. In Indonesia, there's 100 million. That's 3x. So we're not quite there yet. Many In Indonesia, actually, it's the number one podcasting country in Southeast Asia. Oh, so with more podcasters, meaning there's more need for support. Right. Next up is Indonesia, I mean Indonesia, Malaysia, and Thailand and Vietnam. So the peninsula. You need to be able to, to really hone there. So they're they're really more on on where we're at so far in terms of, of the number. But again, you need to do have a lot of heavy lifting. But here's the interesting fact. Southeast Asia in five years will be as big as the US now, in terms of how big podcasting is. Now the question is, are we gonna be an active player? Or are we going to be a spectator, right? We don't want to be a spectator because we've already built so much momentum here in the Philippines. And we can, I think we do have that, that formula that we can rinse and repeat and scale across. Not saying that we have perfected it, but we have a good base. But why stop if you can replicate and help more content creators more, make more money, right? And RJ, just, I'll just share with you the chip on my shoulder. So I'm very active in the startup community like you. But it's very rare that a Filipino startup goes out and actually implements overseas. Most of the time, it's a, it's a regional startup that goes and conquers us here. That's right. Hopefully, you know, I, I, this is not easy. I'm scared as hell. But hopefully this time, it's us implanting something that we built here locally to help more content, help our neighbors get to where they want to be. And that's the power of storytelling with technology merging together. Okay. I'm just curious, but people often say that they want to go abroad. No? I mean, in my mind, the balancing act is that I have to grow my local market, but at the same time, I'm moving to another market. How do you plan to how do you plan to balance out those type of priorities? I mean, it's it's nice to say, hey, I'm I'm international, right? But sometimes you might end up uh, ignoring your local market uh, at the same time. Mm-hmm. So two things for the Philippines, really, it's replicating and and continuing what we've already built. It doesn't mean that we're going out or neglecting the Philippines. One thing I made sure more than anything is we have a solid local team here first that as much as possible, I don't need to, to really uh, manage. And again, props to my whole team. They, they deserve more credit than I do. Because at the end of the day, um, the reason why we got here, because I'm also still running Chatbot PH, you know this. Having the right co-founders and hold, oh. having the right leaders and the team You've got a tight ship, you're saying, over here yeah, in the uh, Philippines. Uh, coming in right now, saying hi to all of us, to all our friends over here. Again, thanks so much to our friends from Global Pinas TV 168, watching from Tagaytay. Boss Mark Esguera, listening uh, to us as well from Filipino Homes. And Brian Yap, congrats again. Brian, listening all the way from Cebu. Mayang gabi sayo, Brian Yap. And also watching all the way from CDO, Asok Ferns Bethel. Thanks so much for joining us. And my friend Jay Tolentino. Uh, watching all the way from Dubai. Galing, you guys. Really inspired to continue podcasting. 
Uh, thanks for paving the way. And really, the way that is being paved here right now is, is how you think of podcasting. You don't have to think of it. You no longer have to think of yourself as a solopreneur venturing out into the industry, but rather as a full ecosystem uh, entering into the podcast network. That's why I actually said yes, because uh, you know I've always wanted to do podcasting, but I did not have the wherewithal. I didn't have the team, the professional team to put together. Maybe this, maybe the, the posters. I mean, that takes up a lot of time, especially me as an entrepreneur, but I couldn't do that myself. So very glad that uh, they had a full team and that's where basically our, our joint venture works, where he has the team, I have that uh, the content, and then we, we share the profits over there. And of course, hi, Eileen Borromeo, of course, part of the uh, PNA team as we expand. And lastly, this is, this is a really great feedback uh, over here from Jay Tolentino all the way in the UAE. There are Filipino podcasters here in the UAE, and podcasting has been gaining traction over here. Hope you guys can expand yeah. to our Filipino podcasters based out of Dubai and the UAE. Actually, we do have two to three shows now. I'm not sure. I think it's two to three shows based in in Dubai that were already helping. So again, going back to your question about expansion, right? So before you expand, as they say it, again, I'm copying what I've heard from Hustle Share so so many times from so many entrepreneurs. Before you expand, you have to protect home court. You know, you have to be a star in your home country first. So that's what we did. We, We made sure that before we even say expand, 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 we 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 have enough moats here that nobody. It's gonna be hard for anybody to to catch up. Now again, for us, the way we expand is we're not gonna do it old school style. That we're gonna go country to country, knocking on every door. We're gonna use tech. The best tech platforms did not have to set up their own platform or their own office to be able to expand to a certain right. We, that's why we created Podmetrics. That will be the focal point of how we recruit our shows. Because at the end of the day, again, if the, the question is money, we have the merchants to offer you and give you the commissions that you need. Just a matter of populating it and matching it with the right shows. Now, in Podmetrics, we also have the data of not just podcasters here in the Philippines, but also 1.8 million podcasts around the world. So we know who the best podcasts are per category, per country, per subcategory. We don't have to go shotgun and pray, pray the Hail Mary while we're doing this. We know exactly how to do it using our own platform itself. So if a brand wants to work with the top podcasters in a certain country, we know who they are. And we just need to tell them that, hey, there's someone who wants to work with you. And if you're a podcaster listening to this, you're somewhere else, you, you better jump on because we now have... Uh, merchants, not just in the Philippines, but also around the world, like Amazon, GoDaddy, which is going to be announced, so you just heard it here first, that you can now take advantage of so that you can also earn affiliate marketing. And as we go along, we can also monetize you with brand sponsorships as your, your businesses grow. I mean, as your podcast grows. not as your podcast grows. Now, 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 Ron, just, just a question, because people might be a bit confused between Podcast Network Asia and Podmetrics. Now, just to explain, right, we both first met because I wanted to do a podcast and you didn't start off with Podcast right. Network Asia. You had, you, 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 want, you had enough time on your hands while you were doing Chatbot PH, your other startup. Yeah. So you, you were able to put up Hustle Share. You want to learn about other people's hustle. So tell us the irritation that led to the development of both Podcast Network Asia and Podmetrics. So our podcasters here are, are aspiring podcasters. So people wanted to do business, get to understand the thinking that went behind it. 
before everything else, just wanted to greet uh, greet Nino Jesus Duque. Good to know that we have this now. We've got Pod Medicine Podcast Network Asia. And hi also to Franco Verona. Hey, RJ and Ron. He says, totally agree. Perfect. Your business at home. Answer Filipino problems first uh, before traveling abroad. Uh, so just just let you know, no, Nino Jesus Duque, question for him is, what about someone who's just starting? Do I need to have a minimum audience base if I want to be part of Podcast Network Asia or start podcasting, no problem. Let's ask that. If there are more people here also right now who want to get into podcasting and are listening right now, please feel free to put your questions in our comments box. Uh, we would love to address them later on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk a bit more while, while Ron isn't around. No? Is, is I want to take a step back and really help you uh, better understand why I, I really why I think Ron's story really resonates with me. Because basically, he was a entrepreneur coming out of college. Salat mga taga USD jan. He's he's a graduate of USD high school and then college. And I understand that that his first startup was called Party File. It was a app related to going towards events. But after some time, now when they were when the app was about to take off, something truly unfortunate happened to their business. One of their partners passed away at the height of when they were supposed to scale up that business. So almost the next day, that business shut down. But it was truly amazing. And what, what I find amazing about him and about many different entrepreneurs is the idea that, you know, they've got to develop a certain set of resilience. Kinakwento ko ng buhay mo dyan, Ron, habang wala ka dito ngayon. Anyway, pakikwento ulit, Ron, about from HustleShare to PNA to Podmetrics. Okay, so again, HustleShare, I, I, I really had one, only a few goals in mind when I did it. First one is to pay it forward to my fellow startup entrepreneurs because back then when we were just starting out, there wasn't a local Filipino show. Uh, and now we have a treasure trove of it, right? Now that covers, you know, um, startup, at least Filipino startup founders and how how they they hustled through, through their businesses. Now, the second thing I wanted to do is I wanted this to pay me for my time. I'm not doing this just for the sake of. I want to make sure that if, if I'm going to do this, I want to make sure it's sustainable. I wanted to prove, is there money to be made in podcasting? And after 10 episodes, I was finally able to get that. I was like, oh, wow. Okay, so there's money here, right? And number three, Which I also wanted to sponsorships. Someone sponsored me for, uh, back then. I'll just say uh, for a season, they paid me $800. I'm like, okay. okay. That's not bad. Eight hundred dollars. Like, all right, I, I'll do it. Right? Yeah, do it anyway for free. So I'll take eight hundred dollars versus zero. Right? So sure. Right? And then the next one is after that, I wanted to make sure that the quality is the same. Till now, I'm the only one still editing my show. So I really put my time going to voice acting classes, to to audio engineering, to make sure that it does sound world class. And that's the bare minimum we play in Podcast Network Asia. Now, I looked at these tenets and said, okay, who else is podcasting in the Philippines? And how can I, are they making money? How do they sound like? Those two questions really opened my eyes like, oh my God, there's so many podcasts here that are not professionally produced. And only a select very few are making money. Where instantly they have thousands and thousands and thousands of listeners more than I, I ever had. So what's wrong? Do, so again, do I stay put or do I put my money where my mouth is and help pay it forward in a brand new community that I don't even know? Mm-hmm. Again, the entrepreneur of me, so Joji Azurin told me this, pay it forward. So here I go again, paying it forward to a brand new community that did not even exist and started talking to pod, reaching out to podcasters 
one by one say, hey, can we help you out with your show? We'll help you monetize. People even thought it was a scam at first because <laughs> it was too good to be true that, you know, we're going to invest in your show. We're going to provide you anything. You own the content and we only work on RevShare. What? That's crazy, right? But yeah, it's true. That's how we do it. That's why we're able to scale so fast because the good news spread that these people are here, they're professional, and they don't take advantage of you, right? So putting your money worth and again, just paying it forward to the rest of the, the whole community because the whole community deserves it more than anything. Because if it's just us, typically a, a network, what they will do is they'll buy your content, they'll give you TF, we own whatever you're doing. That's right. Right? We, we wanted to, again, reinvent what works in this the media space by copying what works in the startup industry. Because the same way other startups did it, Grab does not own any car that they have. Uber does not own any car that they have. Panda same. It's, it's a shared economy type of business model. Same thing with us. We don't own any of the podcasts. We're here to connect the dots. It becomes a thriving community. But then what's Podmetrics and how does that relate back to Podcast Network Asia? Podmetrics is our secret sauce. Because if we were to do this manually, we will never get where we want to be. Again, the thing with startups, I always will do whatever I'm doing. There's always a tech play in it. Because Podmetrics allows us to then see what podcasts really produce. It's not the episodes. It's the data that the listeners provide, how they're consuming the content. Because it's that data that we actually sell. To, not the, the direct data, huh? sorry. Just, just, just let me just clear that up. Yeah, not the it's data, not, not the, the, product, the, but rather the, the analytics of how the show works, right? The audience, that, yes, correct. The audience that each podcast attracts, how they consume it, and how they react to whatever the podcaster you know, influences them to do. Because at the end of the day, it's matching the right content with the right brand. And yeah, like you said, that's that's the secret sauce, especially for people in the future. You can show that to advertisers, or you know, it helps you improve your content actually because you know people are looking at it. Question in in Podmetrics, you're not just measuring all the shows in Podcast Network Asia. You can measure different shows as well. Is that right? Yeah. Anybody that joins in allows us again to to see the data about uh, only the aggregate data uh, about their their show, so that when a brand you'd be able to see it and they'd be able to make a, an, an easier decision especially when they want to deploy either at uh, affiliate marketing or through sponsorships but you have to be part of podcast network asia your show has got to be no. part of podcast Pod, 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 uh, no no so it can be outside no. of podcast network asia so I any see. again if pna is the nose art basically pod metrics is our gift to the world any show that wants to join even if it's a, a random show somewhere you can go in there and create Get a monetization campaign to start uh, making money for your show and have oh. full control over that. Lagi ka bang nag-OT tapos OTY? Meron ka bang mga salbahing boss at pabidang mga office mates? Nako, isa kang immortal. I'm Stanley Chi from The Underpaid Podcast. We talk about work-related topics na parang nagchichismisan lang sa pantry. It's a pro-employee podcast na relatable sa lahat ng nag-opisina, pumapasok man, petics, o work from home. Listen and subscribe to The Underpaid Podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Anchor. Kita-kits, mga immortal. But people are asking right now, there's some people are listening right now, they've got an idea for a show, how do they join? How do they pitch the idea to Podcast Network Asia? Podcast Network Asia, go to our site, pod, HTTP podcastnetwork.asia. There's a 
perform there. Again, there are some criteria of who, how we, we, we help shows. First of all, because everybody wants to, to, to get help. But to be, to be, again, perfectly frank, right? We were now tightening the ship a little bit because it's, a, it's a, something we need to sustain, okay? We need to have at least 500 listeners per episode already, uh, more or less. And you have to have at least 10 episodes that you've done, right? For us to consider coming in. Now, while you're building that, we can already get to step one. Join, sign up at http at podmetrics.co, co, create an account. So you'll be in our radar. Because when we see it, we'll be the first one to call you anyways. Like, hey, do you need help? Do you need sponsorships? Because at, once you get to 500 listeners, average 500 listeners per episode, you're now ripe to get sponsorship money. Okay. Uh, having said that, Ron, no, you're, you're seeing all the different data, both quantitatively, qualitatively, from pod metrics. But if you were to tell people, you know, I'm right. coming up with a formula for a great podcast. What is that formula for the people listening sure. here right now in terms of content, length of time, all these different things? What are the hacks to coming up with a good okay. podcast that you've seen from the data? Number one, you need to have great sound. You have to invest in the right mic. It doesn't have to be a million-dollar mic. It just has to have the ability to zero in in your voice. I personally like using uh, dynamic mics because a dynamic mic, like this, only focuses on my voice. Condenser mics typically do what's around you. So if there's a bird outside and whatnot, you'd also pick that up. That's already half of the job when you're editing. Number two, educate yourself on editing, making sure that it sounds great. So my rule of thumb in making sure that a podcast is properly edited, if you're listening to Spotify and you're listening to a song and it sounds great, and listen to your podcast, you should not have to adjust the volume. That means it's mastered properly. The reason why I edit my show till now because I don't want to lose that grip. That you know, until now I'm still the same podcaster that I was two years ago, that when I was starting out. So what else? Number one, I always get asked this: What makes a great podcast? That's totally subjective. It depends on what it is. Now there is a metric that you can see in in whatever your podcast hosting would be. It's called the average listen time or the retention metric. So for us, that's our quality measurement. Why? Because let's say if your average runtime is one hour, and let's say within the first five minutes, more than 50% of your listeners already dropped out. So what does that tell you? Does that, that tells you that whatever the hell you were saying during that episode, people didn't care. They didn't stick around. For us, the gener- general metric of how good a podcast would be is are you keeping your listeners engaged for a long time because you don't have the, I mean, this is a rare, a rare show where there is a live content, but podcasts are designed to be audio first. So if in the first five minutes before even getting to the first half, you're already losing your, your listeners. That means mm-hmm. whatever you were saying during your episode wasn't engaging. So you need to find ways to engage your, your, your listener so that they stick around from top, from beginning all the way to the end with very minimal drop-offs. That's what makes a good podcast. And you will see it quantitatively also. What have you seen in terms of making a podcast engaging? I know it's, it's like you said, it's subjective, but there must be certain measures. Is there a way to structure the podcast? Is there a way to, in terms of the, the what, what spiel comes out, are there certain topics just sure. for people who, who need to know? It, it can be applied to business as well. Context is king. Are you talking like the people that you're trying to attract? 
right? You can't be going to a podcast and saying dude, you're just like talking to random friends and you expect people to understand that. Only a select few will have that ability because people that know them already, celebrities and whatnot. So you need to provide context. What's in it for the listener in the first three minutes? Why are, why are you asking me to invest one hour of my precious time to listen to your show? So at the first three minutes, not even in, in a minute, you should be able to de- deliver your unique value proposition. What are you going to get from this show? right? Because if you don't, then the rest is a big question mark. And people don't stay long to figure out what the hell are they talking about, <laughs> right? So whatever it is, you need to deliver that value right away. You need to understand. Now, sometimes you don't even need to do that in the episode itself. It can be done in your copy, in your titles, and even so in your trailer. Really great story for those listening here right now. And I hope, Ron, moving on. Huh? The next thing, Ron, I, w- I want to move on now, really not to the to the entrepreneur story. I keep telling people since Kanina pa that, you know what, uh, we've, we've been friends for a couple of years because I interviewed you for your start, your yeah. first startup. And the, the week that I interviewed you, the business actually fell down, right? The business crashed and burned after that time. Tell us a story of the first one, you know, because, you know, we want to tell people, you know, not, not just the good parts, but, you know, the parts that led up to you becoming the entrepreneur that you are today. Tell us a bit more what created Party File, your first startup. What was it about and, and how did you come about it and uh, what happened to it? So it's six years of my life that I did that for. So I'm, I'm going to try to put that in within the, the next few minutes. So I did that as a thesis in college because I used to go to partying a lot. Like I go to clubs a lot. And whenever I go to clubs, I couldn't get into the clubs through the guest list because when I started partying, there, there was no guest list yet. Now, all of a sudden, this new system of creating a guest list appeared and you need to know people. And I didn't know people. So I had to always pay the cover, cover charge. And being a broke student, you only have like a few hundred pesos. So you, you end up spend, paying the, the cover charge and you're left with just one beer all night. Totally uncool, right? Whereas if you're in the guest list, you can already get that. So what I did was uh, for my, my thesis in college, I created a website called guestlist.ph that gets people to get in the guest list in the clubs for free so that they don't have to know anybody. And long story short, I did that for six years. I quit my day job for it. I was broke for two to three years. And then uh, finally got a breakthrough when I got the right tech partner and also got funded by Kickstart. For people who don't know, Kickstart is actually an incubator. Also, you pitch your ideas to them. They like it. Yes. They provide you the tech. They build the business for you. So Back then. Was, now they're not. They are not, not uh, not. straight That's up right. Yeah. Straight up. Meaning, um, uh, for those who don't know, a straight up venture capitalist, they don't they don't help you build the business. They're just going to invest in a business that's already running or a startup that's already running correct. and has proven to make some money or can can prove to be scalable uh, in their standards. Yes. But at that time, so they came in, they helped provide you with a tech. You were building the business, took you six years to get there. Uh, what happened yep. next? I ran out of money. <laughs> I was a total rookie. I didn't know how to handle money yet. It wasn't a sizable check, but I got it to to grow. The problem is I didn't have enough runway. So I had to scratch and claw again. What after I did for a good six to eight months, I had to sell my VIP membership. Still the, the, the same thing that I was selling before, but this time it's a one-night pass that gets you to all the clubs in the metro. And what I would do is I would set up a little booth outside of each club. And whatever I sold is basically my life money for the next week. If I didn't sell anything and nobody showed up, I'm dead the next week. I'd be really broke. So wow. eight, six to eight months of that. And then at that time also, I pivoted to an, a new name called Party File, 
which I think uh, allowed us, but it's more really just vanity to, in hindsight. What that is, it's the same. It's the same thing, but now it's just a mobile app. And after that, luckily, again, we we hit some milestones. Then five hundred startups invested on us in, in party file. Wow. Still party file already. Okay. Yeah. Again, I grew the team, but the same mistakes, rookie mistakes you get of, of hiring too much too too soon. And not having to sustain runway, not having enough sales to do this and whatnot, eventually caused the doom. But the biggest one uh, that really caused it to crash and burn was, you know, there was a big event where technically changed the course of nightlife across the world. And, you know, after that event, the whole nightlife nightlife industry crashed. And we only had like two months of runway left. So I had to let the team go. I had to scratch and claw. The most painful process I technically have to go through. There was, I had a team of 20 at that time. Lost every single one of them. Yeah, it's back to zero. And I had burned some bridges as well. So that's never a good thing because at the end of the day, you realize it's your fault more than anybody. When you eat humble pie, that bitter humble pie, you then realize that, okay, I did not win, but I now have a playbook of what not to do. And I bowed to, my, to the deepest core of my heart, my entrepreneurial heart, that I will never do that again. What was the biggest learning from the failure? Actually, at 13, I wrote an article about this. I was crying one night. I just uh, I got an advice that you should, you should just write this down. So I put this on Medium, 13 lessons that I did. So a lot of it is building the right team, making sure that cash is king, things that are superficial, but as a first-time entrepreneur, these are the things you overlook because mm-hmm. you're, you're after the vanity, the shiny stuff. First-time mm-hmm. entrepreneurs always have the shiny object syndrome. Like, hey, I want to be the biggest. I want to be the first. But at the end of the day, you look at your cash flow. There's nothing, right? So it's a mixture of a lot of foolish mistakes that I did. So just Google 13 mistakes startup purgatory. You'll, 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 you'll be able to see that article. I didn't publish that, but that became viral. Because I wrote that for myself. For some reason, some person dug it up and became viral. And, I seem to recall actually reading you know, it. I think, I think I actually read that article. It, yeah. Now that you, you mentioned it, it comes back to mind. Yeah. And I remember because I interviewed you. I, I think that the, the week after the big event, that big crisis happened in the nightlife industry, I interviewed yeah. you. So I think a couple of day, weeks after you closed down. But what truly amazed me yeah. was that you came back with Chatbot PH. Tell us a bit more of the right. story of Chatbot PH. So Chatbot PH technically is really a uh, continuation of my journey in Party File because I saw that I don't ever want to do apps again because it's so hard to deliver value using an app and then just right in the few last few days of party file mark zuckerberg announces that there's now going to be this new thing called chatbots that allows people to chat to to facebook pages as if there's someone human chatting with them like oh my god this is a game changer because by default people would guess message guess uh, clubs anyway so i thought i was still going to do the club game but what i realized is I shouldn't be focusing on this little bubble that I was stuck in, but helping businesses automate their customer service because it's very expensive to hire customer service people that way. So first thing I did when I, when that when that keynote did, I bought the right domain and then started looking for clients. Now I have this playbook of what to do. So I was very profit-driven from day one. And I kind of learned how to sell because if you sell VIP memberships every week in the clubs, you become really good in convincing people. <laughs> one buy, one buy. Yeah, one yeah. Buy. Yeah, you have fun. Yeah, give me 500. <laughs> right? 
So it's good. And then long story short, uh, we got that to profitability and Sterling Paper Group acquired it. And up till now, I'm still running it uh, at the same time while I'm doing and during that time as well, that's where I realized that maybe I should pay it forward. I shouldn't be keeping it to myself because at that time, I was finally, and again, eternally grateful always to Michelle Lim Janty and Sir Henry Lim. Because of that acquisition, I was able to buy my mom a house, which all wow. I ever wanted anyway. Really and I'm living story. in it now. Yeah. What <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, question. So, how, how, is, how is Chatbot PH doing right now? And, and how are you able to manage? How are you able to manage your time between you know? Because you're being an entrepreneur basically for both, where you are the chief innovator and yeah. and and uh, leader executive. So, so again, pandemic is not good for a lot of it. chatbot. Also suffered a, a great deal. So you have a, a thriving thing in PNA, which if you just sum it up, it's really just a lot of being at the right place at the right time, you know. And my only difference with PNA and chatbot is I had co-founders in PNA. That covered my ass because as I'm doing chatbot, somebody's running the show. That's why I'm not that that not afraid. But in chatbot, funds got scarce, and some of my team had to leave, and we're we're replenishing that that core team that we have. So any, especially in a tech driven team, it's it's very hard to do it, especially if you're alone, because every any every single one, especially if it's highly technical, that you would really feel that. But hope, uh, thankfully, we were now on the uptick to to recover from where we are. Because one, one thing that we realized as well is that the things that we started, we pioneered, is still one of the best out there despite all this, these challenges we had to overcome. So it's really just a lot of time management. And I copied this from you from your episode. Uh, I remember <laughs> I asked you this in, in, in that episode. like How do you manage to do your time? It's really being able to find the right people to delegate to and hold them accountable so that you can actually do things a lot of time. Wow. So you're able to, I like that how you smoothly inserted our own uh... To our own podcast in, into this show. Appreciate yeah. that, Ron. I love that. Now, now, Ron, having said that, you you really have sort of, you know, just like myself, I, I like to think that I, I have a certain unique perspective on things just because I'm seeing, I'm interviewing so many different people, I'm in so many different industries. So I, I have a unique take on different things and emerging opportunities. Now, yeah. you being both in, in the chatbot space and also being in the podcast space, what do you see as emerging opportunities? First, in business and commerce, and maybe also for the people oh. listening here right now, in terms of podcasting, what are you seeing as the opportunities that are emerging? A lot of the next 10 to 20 years would really, when this pandemic did was accelerated digitalization, but that's just a big word being thrown on people right. that have not been in the tech game yet. Mm -hmm. We've mm -hmm. been talking about a lot of these stuff for the longest time. Now it just became mainstream because it's tech. But it also accelerated the need for automation and real proper innovation. Because all of a sudden, a lot of people got caught red, you know, with their pants down, saying, oh, yeah. my God, they're not ready for this. Right? Where we, they, you could have easily just equipped yourself with simple basic automation of how to, let's just say, do payroll, how to do clock in, time in, time out, how to do communications like this. But a lot of companies are not ready for this. So if you are listening to this, find that little niche, find that little itch that nobody's serving, find that little blue ocean that nobody's serving. And again, there's no shame. Just go Picasso on them. So when I say Picasso, Picasso said, uh, good artists copy, but great artists steal. So steal whatever is working somewhere else in a different locale and localize it 
can find your own tribe to serve, right? Automation would always be the king. For, for us, podcasting, we're just automating how people make money. The, the tools have always been there. So for us, the key was automation and aggregation. Because if it's scattered, someone had to like put them in a whole bucket so everybody can see it front and center and have, have make, help make people make, make great decisions and easier uh, decisions as well. Now it's easier to do that rather than you have to do it manually one is to one. Imagine if you're a brand working and you have to work with 24 indie podcasters. The hassle of that uh, being done if Podmetrics wasn't there. It's just virtually impossible. So automation and aggregation um, is always a lucrative business. Just find that itch, find that untapped market and make your money. Exactly. And having said that, no, we're, we're looking, I like that automation and aggregation. I'm doing the same thing as well, I guess, for the food marketplace, really. And that, that's where you kind of find yes. each of your individual niches where you can where you can automate things, where you make things simpler for people by solving irritation. And that, that's what I keep bringing people back right. to when I talk about the, the entrepreneurial mindset. But on the second thing also, there are many people listening right now who are, you know, potential mm-hmm. podcasters. They want to get into podcasting. Uh, they want to find out, mm-hmm. is there a particular niche that they can still get into? Is there an opportunity still out there? Uh, if they're going to get into podcasting, what would you recommend for them to start off? And are there particular niches that are still not being addressed? I'm sure there are a lot, but if you were to find any low-hanging mm-hmm. fruit out there, what would you say? Yeah, this is this would be great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this would be great. So podcasting and business is very, very similar. I, I use the same philosophies. Mm-hmm. Right? So finding a blue ocean. Now, the thing with a blue ocean is that even if someone is already talking business, Nobody can be the exact same replica of that. Business. Like for us, technically, we're in direct competitors. We're talking business here, RJ. But we're That's actually right. we're using the network effect to highlight our unique take of how we dissect business content with each other, right? We feed off of each other. So if you have a niche and you have to be passionate and knowledgeable about a certain topic and you, you feel like you can talk about that for 30 minutes at least every week, up to an hour, then go do it. Right now, how do you do that? You just literally invest in a mic, just like what RJ has and what I have here. Start recording and upload it in a podcast host. So you can go to like the likes of Anchor.fm. It's free, and that would be the one that actually propagates your podcast across all the podcast apps. And using that Anchor account is also what you use to hook it up to Podmetrics so that you can make money off of that show as well. And just to let all of you know, this mic is courtesy of Podcast Network Asia. You just can't see the fee over there. <laughs> there you go. It's a Podcast yeah, Network Asia mic. Um, maraming salam. Right again. Ron, it's been truly interesting. There you go. Pod- this is Mercat- my, my own plug-in at Mercato Central. Yeah. Over here. Again, it's, it's really been great talking to you, Ron. And I hope that all those listening to us here right now who want to become uh, aspiring podcasters, learn a lot uh, from Ron. If you want to join, you know how to join up Ron on Podcast Network Asia. Just hit them up on the website. But more importantly, what I want to bring your attention to is really how you think about growing the business, really. How you think about business is key. And, and more importantly, it's not only, it's also how you iterate. But the, the one thing that you don't see from Ron is the resilience. I mean, I mean, you, you see, you're seeing the final product, but that was 10 years of hard work, six to eight months every week at a club trying to sell VIP membership is no joke. But these were all the skills that he was able to use moving forward. And I hope people see that, you know, Ron, people often think you know, failure is a bad thing here in the Philippines. It's crap mentality sometimes. So you, you should feel bad about your failure. But 
you know, as entrepreneurs, we're not taught that failure is bad. We're taught failure is a badge of honor. You just have to learn, learn to fail fast and, and learn to fail forward and use for your for your future startups. Is that right, Ron? That's correct. And um, at the end of the day, it's also the, the degree of, of failures. Now, a lot of failures can lead to more failures if you don't make pivots uh, that's from right. where you are. And that's what I did. Just it kept, you know, kept snowballing until it, I couldn't control it anymore. So if you're failing and it doesn't cost your business to a, a lot, make the necessary pivot so you don't you can do a 180 degree turn before it becomes a, a bushfire that you can never control. But because at the end of the day, any type of failure hurts, right? And one thing that entrepreneurs always do, and this is my only also advice, a lot of entrepreneurs, my contemporaries, have also failed. But don't let that stop you from trying again. Because one thing you'll now have is experience, again, of a playbook of what not to do. And I've heard, I've heard this from a lot of, of, of my guests also in Hustle Share that the main treasure now are those failed entrepreneurs that now have it. They're just scared to try it again. But to be honest with you, you have a better chance of succeeding this time if you just go ahead bootstrap again and just like man try it again because i swear to god you will have a better chance even if you failed before i tried it again the, o- the only reason why i tried it again because i didn't have anything anymore and uh i had to make ends meet but i didn't want to go corporate and i had to hustle again out of necessity but if you are back in corporate and again you're listening to this and you failed before dude go ahead and try it again or prepare to try it again because you'll do better next time for sure Ron, thanks so much for inspiring everybody, everybody listening to the RJ Ledesma podcast. And for those who don't already know, Ron's got a show called Hustle Share. We talk about the hustle of different people. Um, you can also listen to it here on Podcast Network Asia. Again, Ron, thanks so much for guesting here on the show. A lot of people saying thank you right now. Uh, attorney Dizon, Attorney J Fan, thanks so much for listening to us here right now. Yes, and, Hong Kong crew, what's up? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, we were together actually. I thought we were we together in again. Uh, rice, so is rice. Rice, but rice is no longer going to be held in Hong Kong. It's moving to Malaysia as a result of the oh, wow. quote-unquote political instability in Hong Kong. Plus, at the same time, um, this pandemic. But again, like we said, we're entrepreneurs. We're tech entrepreneurs. It's time to pivot again. Ron, it's been really great having you here on the show. Finally, a time for you to take a step back and talk like a guest rather than as a host producer. <laughs> now, again, if there's any other right. business personality or entrepreneur that you would like me to interview here on the podcast, please let me know. Drop me a message again. This is RJ Ledesma with me again, Ron Bite Young. Guys, thanks so much for joining me. We'll see you again next week here on the RJ Ledesma podcast. Thanks so much, guys. Thank you. Appreciate it. Bye. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.